Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily Podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We are the mother-daughter co-founders of the I Create Daily brand. We are passionate about encouraging positivity, creativity, and productivity while bringing you information and resources that support your creative aspirations. I Create Daily is for creators in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs. So if you're into creating anything, this podcast has something for you. So tell us, what would support you most in your journey? You can reach us at creators at iCreateDaily.com. Thank Thank you you for for joining joining us us on this journey. Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily podcast, a movement for creators serious about their work. I'm Leora. And I'm Devani. And today our guest is Athena Dimitrios, a spiritual, intuitive, medium, and channel, author, and teacher. After growing up in abject poverty in a dysfunctional, alcoholic environment and being terrorized by a border who lived under sorry, who lived in the root cellar, Athena Dimitros repressed her traumatic memories, which thrust her into a downward spiral of melancholy and despair. But when, as an adult, she had a powerful spiritual experience that opened doors into other dimensions, she began an odyssey in which truth became stranger than fiction, a journey through hypnotic regression that led her to transcendence and healing. Athena maintained a successful career in the film industry as a makeup artist while exploring the world of the unseen. Her her sensitivity as a psychic began to accelerate when a powerful spiritual experience opened doors into other dimensions. We're really excited to hear about the worlds you've explored. Yes, your story, it's fantastic. And to start, we wanna hear your origin story but also, uh, and sorry, I didn't give you a chance to say thank you. No, no, yeah, no, I, I appreciate <laughs> that wonderful intro. Thank okay. you so much. So I'm going to turn that back to you. And, okay. and, uh, well, what struck me is that what a contrast, right? Doing, mm. you know, beautifying the external world, the physicality yes. of the Hollywood stars, you know, living in that right. facade kind of a world. You know, right. glamorous and it's all about the external mostly. Um, right. And then yet undertaking this internal inner world journey. So start wherever With, in your, wherever it started in your story. Me. Yes. That works. Okay. For you. Hmm. All right. Well, it was um, a very dysfunctional childhood. Uh, well, to, you know, to say the least, however, let me preface this with saying that my mother, bless her heart, just simply couldn't cope there was a lot of uh, wealth and there was alcoholism and there was compulsive gambling. And so my father lost an inheritance and it would, would have been worth up into the millions. And my mother simply, simply couldn't cope. She had seven kids to raise. Mm. Uh, She, you know, bless her heart. She always opened our doors to other kids that needed a place to stay. Uh, She, was never abusive. She just went into somewhat of a, a state of denial, I think, when that with the loss of uh, uh, the, you know, the um, so much, uh, it was just so much wealth. And my father was never around, so he left. And my mother took in a boarder 
kind of like under the guise of, you know, a boyfriend. He lived in the root cellar. And he was there for over a period of about a year. And between six and seven, it was when I was repeatedly raped by him. And I repressed the memories because I always say, you know, kids are going to do whatever they have to do to survive. So much of my childhood uh, sincerely was just like uh, being caught in a fog. Everything mm. was extremely foggy. And my siblings had memories of things I didn't. You know, and they would often say, don't you remember? And I'd say, no, I don't remember. And they'd say, come on, you remember. But I really didn't. But then I have almost a photographic memory with other things. Very strange. And I would say what to leave in and what to leave out and why. Right? Yeah. And because when I think anybody experiences something like that, I, I think you do what you have to do as a child to cope and, and survive. Right. It wasn't that we didn't have fun. You know, we were like a bunch of wild hooligans running around the neighborhood wild. I mean, we really were um, because she was working all the time. And then there were a couple of other events that transpired. She lost the house for just the mortgage payment left. And uh, we moved into another home and the landlord um, set our house on fire and poisoned our dog. And we had gone off working in the bean fields. And... So we, you know, when we came back, we moved to uh, California and uh, that was, to me, that was kind of like the height of the poverty. And then when I was around 13, we moved to Chico um, and, oh my God, coming into this town because it was so green, so beautiful. I see the greenery behind you and it was very much like that. It's actually known as the city of trees. Mm. It was very, very green. It's very beautiful. And I just felt like we had been kind of released from the clutches of some dark force when we entered this mm -hmm. town. And <clears throat> during my teenage years, I had some other um, events that started to transpire mystical that I always call it like a bleed through from another life. Some of my mediumship qualities started uh, coming through. Saw my night or my father, the night that we had buried him, he appeared in uh, the doorway and I see spirit very very clearly I don't see them like a wispy apparition I always say I seem like Patrick Swayze and ghost yeah that that clearly and suffice it to say as I grew into my teenage years I became very um, uh, removed and although outwardly people would think I was sociable but I was really inwardly um, shy, I would say, and uh, very, very suicidal. But that was the repressed memories. Right. So suffice it to say, uh, when I, and I had a daughter out of wedlock when I was 17 and uh, kept her. And so when I was, uh, it was 1979, became a workaholic. I worked for Revlon and um, worked for them for quite some time, but it was the one area where I could find success in my life. And I never did turn to drugs or alcohol, you know, thank God. I think I had a healthy fear of that because I think I would have known on some level it would have taken me down, Yeah. you know, had I, had I done that. So there, but for the grace of God, go I. Right. And <clears throat> then um, I was living in Los Angeles, 1979. There was a series of three events that uh, pretty much brought me to my knees. And I always say, I think 
I think in life that we have a um, maybe a, a, a place that we reach where we don't have an inch or even a half an inch or a fourth of an inch to turn, we have to face ourselves. And that was a defining moment in me. Uh, when that transpired, then everything in my life turned upside down. I took off um, psychically like a rocket ship. Um, I had so many mystical events around that time. Suffice it to say, there was a golden ray that came into my front room and dusted everything with gold. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what in God's name was going on. I really didn't. And uh, what was actually happening was that I was being awakened by the Ascended Master Saint Germain. And it was some years later that I read that the color of love from an Ascended Master, their ray is gold. Mm. And so that, you know, and on some level, I knew I was being tested but I was not spiritually awake on any level prior to that. And I found myself entering into another dimension, seeing my father um, that I hadn't seen since he had died, but it was, I always say it was more real than me sitting here talking to you two. Mm. It was just, you couldn't explain how beautiful it was. Mm. And uh, the energy was just moving and, this place that he was, it was very green, very gorgeous, but you could just, you could just see the energy. It was alive. You could see it. It was transparent. It was glistening. It was so vivid. And he came up and he held me and there was all this white light that flooded from my father through my heart. And years later, when I was under in hypnosis, what he was saying to me is you have to go back. It's not your time. And he says, you're going to come into your power as a spirit, continue to pray. It's going to be given to you. And then shortly after that, someone that I had just barely met, but, oh my God, I felt like I had known them for lifetimes, very special presence about them. And he handed me three books, and uh, that was the teachings by St. Germain, and I just cried like a baby because it was everything I felt in my heart, but I could never find outwardly through organized religion. Not that I sought that. Prior, right. but I just fear hell and damnation. No, that's not the God, if there was one that I related to at all. But it would have, you know, and, and so it completely transformed my life. That was 40 years ago. So, about how old were you at that time? I was 32 years old. I was 32, yeah, when all of that transpired. And again, I had, you know, at the time, I had no idea what was what was transpiring but what I did have an epiphany and this was the defining moment right before that golden ray came into my front room was that I just remember just uh, having this epiphany that life had no choice but to come back to me so that I would experience what I had been putting other people through it was the only way I was going to learn the cause of what I was doing and the effect it was having on the rest of life. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? And with that one epiphany, you know, that's when I, and I remember saying out loud, oh my God, I understand. So that was within a split second. And then that golden ray came in and dusted mm-hmm. everything with gold. So that was such a beautiful and mystical moment. 
And uh, then, of course, after that, then I began the study, and I've been a student of the Ascended Master teachings for uh, about 40 years. So when you had that experience, mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. was that like in your bio, I think it talked about in your darkest hours, uh -huh. is when that experience came to you. So were you like lamenting on the floor of your, you know, your front room or what, what was going on in your life? Because the other part of this question has to do with just what comes to mind with the inner and outer experiences and the conflicts and the suppressed memories is that sure. there has to be a lot of chaos and confusion and tumultuousness in your life. Oh, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll underscore that about four times. Right. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it had been. I mean, I had had a series of, oh, my relationships were pretty much self-destructive. I wouldn't let anybody close, even including my daughter which we have a very good relationship now. Thank you, God. Yes. Yeah. Um, of course, she's had all these years now of knowing me conscious. But I just, you know, I just had guarded my heart. Now, I had no idea. I had not done any of the work with going back and beginning to deal with any of those memories. I hadn't done any of that work. That was to come a little bit later down the pike. Um, but up to that, up to that point, yeah, it was very, very uh, tumultuous. And like I said, there were three events. And I go into those, certainly all of this is, is in the book in great, great depth and detail. And it was when these three events brought me to my knees, literally. And I just, just remember praying from such a deep heart because I had never believed in God, not organized, or that uh, hell and damnation, sitting in a throne with a long white beard, never right. felt right. Right. So when that, you know, when that happened and I got to my knees, I said, I don't know if you really exist. I don't even know if you're out there, but if you are, you have to be every word that comes out of my mouth and help me reach my daughter. Hmm. And that was the prayer. You know, wow. even it's it's still, uh, you know, I still get emotional about it because looking back, what a beautiful and defining moment in my life. Yes. Mm. How can I look at that as anything but a phenomenal blessing? Right. Now, right. So, so from there, you, so then you had this incredible experience. Where in that did, did you receive the books, those three books as a gift? And how did, like, how long between that experience to beginning to anchor? Okay, that was probably, uh, I, w I would say, I would say it was probably around three weeks or a month because I remember that I was using a prayer, the Lord is my shepherd. That was the one that I knew, and I kind of chanted that like I was in an insane asylum, really. <laughs> you know, I just kind of chanted nonstop with that and it was um it was after that that was so fascinating because on some level i knew i was being tested i didn't understand it but i knew i was being tested and it, it truly was it was an initiation looking back on it now and also segueing back to that experience with my father seeing him and this was prior 
to me getting those books years later uh, when I was under hypnosis I recall that whole experience with my father spontaneously and recalled the conversation and that's when he said you have to go back and be in the body um, he says you're going to come into your power as a real spirit continue to pray it's going to be given to you continue to pray Mm-hmm. And that's what he had said to me when I was on the other side with him. And so those books, when I opened it up, I broke down. I, I just cried. I, I knew it was everything I felt in my heart, but I could not find outwardly. And what I so connected with was that St. Germain was saying that life in all activities everywhere manifest as God in action. And that it was only through mankind's ignorance and his lack of understanding that that pure essence of life is constantly interrupted. Uh, for if it were allowed to flow on its way undisturbed, we would experience peace, love, and harmony, for that was the natural state of life. Mm, but right. given the ability to qualify it through our free will, we are constantly requalifying the energy, which is pure and perfect. But it comes forth with anger, lack, limitation you name it and to me that made complete sense and so that was that was the defining moment for me and i knew for myself i had the tools to go home and i do believe with all my heart that i i feel like we all have a longing and a desire to connect with that greater presence the source of all life god got us all that is whatever you want to call it. But I believe that that is innate. And I think that's that pull within all of us that another person can't feel. I think that's the longing to become one with that presence again. Right. Yeah. So, ignoring, I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I'm sorry. What was the last thing? You said? <laughs> no, I said, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Okay. Absolutely. Well, yeah. It just, it, it just, it just, um, Oh my God, it's just transformed every area of my life, you know? So well, it's been yeah. applying, applying what he teaches in those books because he, you know, he basically said that if we don't know where to anchor our attention to, that the human self will take absolute control. And we're seeing the results of it now in the world. Definitely. So yeah. um, one of the things that are, we, well, we know that many people in our audience have, their own traumatic childhood stories. In fact, yeah. most traumatic stories often occur in childhood mm-hmm. or yeah. through, you know, school or teachers or whatever mm-hmm. have you, abuse. Yeah. Um, and yet not all of them have that kind of descended light, you know, ascended master kind of experience. And yet most of them perhaps get a sense that maybe they're being tested for something, for their strength, for what they can endure and for who they become on the other side of that. I guess in a way... So I would imagine it like if I see a beautiful sunset, I can't, I'm not a visual artist, so I cannot replicate that and paint it, whereas a visual artist can. So you had that traumatic experience and what came forth for you was a spiritual initiation as a part of it. For what, what is it? So, so in order, and like, I think many people can tie in, like I said, with the concept of being tested or, or going through an initiation, what do you think the test was about? And why did it have to be such a horrendous thing for a, for you as a child? That's an interesting 
question because I also, and again, this is a very touchy area because when you get into uh, anything with karma or past lives, that is such a personal journey, you know, for people. Mm -hmm. But for myself, I was born wanting to know why am I here, what's it all about, and what and who is God. I was born that way. And I believe that those experiences, that the, the uh, trauma, it had an origin. I know it had an origin, a previous origin. And I think there were also uh, tremendous judgments on some level that I had made, um, perhaps on myself. I, for years, I felt like I was being punished when I began to wake up a little bit. Let, let's put it that way, or I felt like the biggest victim in the world, understandably so. And I understand that when people feel that, but I've been able to transform that now and find forgiveness from the heart and not the head. Big difference mm -hmm. from the heart and not the head. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, that's a, it's an interesting question and it's a hard one because everybody's journey is so different and whatever experiences that they have gleaned or have brought them to this point of awareness if I could give any advice to any, not that people really listen to advice, but if I could share something <laughs> with the listening audience yeah. is that, you know, and I'm, I'm going to share something right now that just came to mind that was shared with me by a guide. Okay. And it was at one of the darkest moments for me. And so whoever's listening I want you to put your name right where I'm, I, where I'm saying mine, but I want you to put your name there. And it was uh, what was shared with me is, Athena, you are a light bearer. And as you step forward with your gift of light to the world, first you must know the darkness and the shadows of your own. Hmm. And in knowing the same, you will find the desire to honor and to kneel before those dark places but to see them as beautiful and divine because of your willingness to transform through that darkness into the light. Wow. Wasn't that beautiful? That was incredible. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And so I always love to share that because I feel that anybody that has experienced trauma, whether that is physical abuse or sexual abuse or um, domestic violence, whatever that is. And if there is part of you, and I know there is, that knows that life isn't meant to be lived that way, well, that's the presence within you that is shining that light there. Yes. And if you choose to explore healing, and a lot of times, you know, people are feeling nudged and pulled you know, to explore healing. And I'm going to say it's not a journey for the weak. It just isn't. Trust 
in your intuition that you will find a, and find a good qualified therapist because healing from my experience doesn't come in a download. It's going to come through having someone help guide you through that storm. And it doesn't mean you're not going to cry and you're not going to have anger. You're not going to have some rage. Those are all parts of a process of healing. Let them be because you'll move through them. And each phase is very, very important. And I always say, I'm out here swinging the lantern for yeah. anyone in the night saying, you, you can get through this. Yeah. 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 And one of the things, you know, in my book, Walking Between Worlds, and I have been, uh, people have been reaching out to me that I just had a phone call yesterday that, oh my God, it's like, okay, I know I'm going to get through it now. Yes. So there's a lot they will identify with and, and, and certainly tools that I use that may be helpful. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Fantastic. So you, while this was going on and you were around uh -huh. 33, you were still working as a makeup artist for Hollywood, uh, in Hollywood, right? Well, I had worked, what, what had happened was I was working for Revlon, okay, and I had worked for them for, you know, several years. And then my real desire was to be a makeup artist. So around all of that time, I left Revlon and then went to work in the industry, the film industry. That was always my dream, my passion. And I always say, if people follow their heart, if they follow their passion, follow the excitement, the universe has a way of opening up that door. So don't give up on a dream. Do not yes. do that. Yes. Follow what's exciting you the most, and that will lead you to the next step, which is, uh, I think, great advice that someone uh, had shared with me one time, and it's so true. Um, but I was developing that relationship with, you know, I was doing some film and then I really concentrated on commercials. I did print work as well, but then I concentrated on commercials so I could, they were shorter in duration, the pay was great. And, uh, you know, and then I could be home yeah. and not have to be on location. Right. So, and then a little later down the road was when I started to do the work with Dr. Slavin to go back and regain the memories. And I also want to say that I recorded something told me way back then to record those sessions. Oh, fantastic. So those sessions are in the book. I don't color it. I don't make it more than what it was. I could pull the tapes out and you could follow them like a bouncing ball. Yeah, fantastic. So, yes. So and was, that, was that be, were those sessions before or after the experience of golden light in your home? Oh no, that was after. Okay. Yeah, that was, well, that's that right. was after. Yeah. And then I became a channel for Dr. Peebles, you know, J.M. Peebles. And uh, I became... No, tell us, like most people may not know, for those who don't know about J.M. Peebles. Yeah, well, yes, because in uh, your bio, we talk, you, it's mentioned medium and channel. So maybe you could uh, describe a little bit about each of those and how it works with you. Well, I think uh, my mediumship, uh, works a little bit uh, uh, different, I think, in, in some ways. Um, I see spirit and I help them cross over. Okay, that I, I get a, an electrical current that goes through my body and I call it the doorbell ringing. 
because everything yeah. in the universe is made up with um, frequency, energy, vibration, right? Yeah. So when I get that vibration that goes through me, it's like an electrical current. I think, ooh, spirit's here. And so that then I will see them. And many times, you know, they'll appear sometimes if they want to give a message to somebody. They'll appear if they need help in crossing over. You know, I remember I was back back east or in the um, southern states and saw a confederate soldier standing you know in a, a graveyard and looked like he was in shock and oh. cars going by and a 7-eleven across the street how bizarre was that right right so stopped and, and uh, helped him cross over it doesn't serve them to be here right many times if they leave in a traumatic way you know then they feel a little bit uh, stuck or or there can be um, certain reasons or attachments sometimes or sometimes they just don't know they have transitioned right mm -hmm. so how did you like the movie sixth sense how did you um get into that aspect of mediumship how did that develop well it was in 1982 okay 1982 and i was listening on the radio uh to a show called open mind and somebody says you got to hear this this is you know there's this uh, guy who is channeling this character named Dr. Peebles. And when I heard Dr. Peebles, I heard his voice, I became electrified. It was like every cell in my body woke up. Hmm. I knew him. And uh, interesting enough, you know, then I thought to myself, oh God, I'd love to have a reading by this guy. Because I love the answers that he gave to people and his wisdom and his humor. So the next day I was working on a commercial and I had this wonderful rapport with this actor. We were talking about metaphysics and he says, you know, I just had the most incredible reading with this character named Dr. Peebles. That was the next day. <laughs> so there you go. So I, I um, contacted his medium and uh, suffice it to say, I ended up, um, and, and Dr. Peebles, you know, had told me you, you were a medium. I knew you before and he wanted to come through me. So I've been channeling him probably 28 years. I studied uh, because channeling does take, I, I believe, a study. I think there's a lot of integrity that's very important with this kind of work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not like psychic prediction by any means. Uh, he works very strongly through me on past life, you know, with, with people. Sometimes there's issues, stumbling blocks, you know, that uh, somebody may come up with over and over again or they react the same way that's usually tied to another lifetime you know as a rule and so the mediumship there's different kinds of uh, mediumship I hear messages as well and uh, channeling is just opening myself up really it's for more um, more love more guidance and his joy is sharing that with people that's his joy and that's part of my joy, too, is to be able to connect with people that way and be of service or assistance. Definitely. What a, who are the type of people uh, who, look, let me put the question right. Um, who, that's okay. Who is, like, when does the, who is channeling good for, and how do they, like, who are the type of people you work with when you do the channeling? the people and well, at what I, stage, oh, okay I'm sorry and at Go what ahead. stage should people consider something like that 
Well, I think first of all, you know, if somebody's feeling pulled, I always say if you're feeling nudged, you know, in a situation like that, uh, a lot of people and anymore, you know, that veil is becoming so much thinner because our help from spirit is so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. We all have guides that work with us. You know, even the smallest plant or leaf or piece of grass, as the doc says, has a spirit guide because, you know, it's really about love and about being of assistance and lifting up. You know, it really is. It's about lifting up life more and more and to empower. And so people that there's people that have have been seers or mediums or clairvoyants in other lives. And so many times that's somewhat a natural ability that they may Mm -hmm. have. Now, usually what happens is one's life will, there'll be certain events that will transpire. And then all of a sudden, like me listening to Dr. Peoples on the radio that night, and then it's kind of like, and I'm going to knock here. It's kind of like knocking the door, right? Right. Remember, remember that you made this agreement in in spirit and do you still want to keep that? Mm -hmm. There's usually an agreement that's made on some level uh, before one comes into, I would say, a little bit more blatant contact. Uh, Sometimes people will have dreams and they'll have a dream of maybe meeting with uh, maybe a spirit guide or they'll have a little recollection or it'll be kind of, what was that about kind of thing or that kind of feeling. And so people that really are interested in spiritual growth. That's one of the avenues because it really is opening up to more love and developing more of your own sensitivities, you know, to uh, your sharpening your intuition. I think that's been all part of the path for me, for sure. And so when my phone rings or people contact me and they can always reach me through my site which is i am i a m within i am within.com and so there's a whole thing in there about the doc they can read about him but when people contact me usually they are going through a lot of transition and there's a lot going on or they can be at a crossroads or they feel stuck or they feel lost that's usually when i get the you know the, the call i always say that the dance begins on the other side before they contact me physically. Yes. Yes, definitely. Athena, you mentioned that when you, you know, hearing Dr. People's voice and then, and then uh, hearing about him having given a reading to someone the next day. So he was living then and you met him in person, correct? No, he's on the spirit side. So he's always so. No, he's on the spirit side, but this is very funny. I, you know, I had uh, asked him one time, this was through his other uh, medium that he was coming through at that time. I said, did I know you before? (laughs) And he he says, and he's got this accent. He says, well, he says, we knew this was going to come up sooner or later. He said, I'll tell you this. He said, I knew you well. (laughs) You were not in my peripheral vision. Uh, We worked together on several projects. Your name was Mary. You were a medium through and through. I love you very much. You are as a sister to me. And you're going to be exploring this later on down the road. That's all we're going to tell you. I see. Okay. So that did lead me to documentation of my past life with Dr. Peebles as a spiritualist 
in uh, uh, Boston and then through the New England states, which also explained why I had this pull to the New England states and the you know the uh, turn of the century. And but our names are all over the place together, and that and the name back then was Mary Longley. Well, what fun to go back and see sort of like as a different kind of gene genealogy, right? To go into. <laughs> well, it's funny. She had the funkiest little old hairdo, that little old Gibson girl hairdo. And I said, now I know why I became a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a lot of a lot of the similarities. And, you know, there was a book with her bio. I call her shy, she and I. And. I always say, you know, the most fascinating thing about that whole era with me um, and, and Dr. Peebles is that I could have stood at the porch of Ellis Island as a 60-year-old woman and had a conversation with my father in the same century when he got off the boat from Greece. Isn't that a trip when you think about it? Oh, yes, definitely. And I could have said, you know, in this century, you're going to be my father. Yes. And then, uh, yeah. You never and know. Yeah, well, there's documentation of, there's documentation of Dr. Peoples in the back of the book where he gives a testimonial in one of the books Mary wrote. She was a medium. And then Banner of Light, they worked together. And I just got tired, basically, of kind of printing out all the articles. But there's... Uh, yeah, there's very physical evidence of our life together and pictures. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, okay, so back to your mediumship. So now uh -huh. you're talking about channeling, and that is you open yourself to the voice and wisdom of another entity. And then there's mediumship. Or it can be your higher self as or well. Or your higher self, good point, yeah. which was uh -huh. going to be part of my next questions. But right. first, getting back to the mediumship and how it is that you came to work with helping people pass, helping sp souls pass from being sort of stuck closely okay. with the physical plane to the next place where they need to go. How did you, well, you know, seeing my father and of course, and again, uh, this is, that was my first encounter seeing him. Now my, my mother saw him the same night, but we didn't talk, you know, about it for a year. Um, and incidentally, I have to say that about two months ago, my father appeared to me, here and he was so physical and i see spirit but i'm he was as physical as you or looking through the camera right now and seeing you i could feel the weight of his hands in my hand mm -hmm. i could feel the warmth of his body and he hugged me again and i was so excited because i hadn't seen him since i was 32 with that uh so I think that opened up. I, I think that opened up something in my consciousness. What it did when I was that young teenager, the night that uh, we had buried him and he appeared, was it left me with a the feeling there has to be something after death because I didn't believe in anything. But he appeared to me, so he had to be there. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So that opened up a doorway. And then I remember having another very mystical experience around the same time. I remember looking in a mirror and I saw um, a, a friend's father and I just saw this gray around him. And I thought, mm, I think he's getting ready to, to die. And, you know, and he had passed maybe three days later. Hmm. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand any of that. So when 
spirit went when I, I took off psychically like a rocket ship. I don't know how else to say it. Just, I just accelerated like crazy. And so, in what way? What does that look like when you yeah. accelerate like crazy? You start seeing all kinds of things through the. Well, day. I see, I, I see, and then I became incredibly sensitive as you know, as a. a a psychic, I guess you would, you would say. Started hearing yeah. people's thoughts or knowing what was oh, going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Yes. Things, you know, things like that. I mean, for sure. But it was just all of these sensitivities were just being quickened and, you know, waking up. And there's ways that people can develop those because I, you know, I honestly think that it is a natural state. It's a natural evolution for us to be sensitive. And I think it is uh, more abnormal. I don't want to call anyone abnormal, but I think we shut that down. Mm. And so I think it's opening all of that up again. Yeah. And I feel like the more conscious we become and the more sensitive we become at the same time, and especially if someone has an interest in that in their classes, that you can take the really wonderful teachers out there that can help guide you through that process. And many times it's just wonderful to be in a class with people of like mind. Mm -hmm. Cause you feel like, Oh my gosh, this person understands me. Right. Is they that, completely get me. Is that something you help people do? Um, help them develop more of their spiritual um, awakening, I suppose. I do. Yes, I do. I do that a lot with, um, um, St. Germain and those teachings and you know that's probably my greatest joy is mm -hmm. to inspire people in such a way where they make that connection with the light that they truly are mm -hmm. and once they can start getting some uh, footing with that and it's you know it's uh, affirmations are a very big part of that because one of the things that he teaches is when you use the two words, I or I am, you know, it's really what follows all of that. So if you're mm -hmm. saying you're sick, you're broke, this or that, you're creating that to come back into your world. Right. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. Absolutely. That, that's a lot of what we talk about and write about um, with I Create Daily is that we create the life we want to live one day at exactly. a time through the words that we say and mm -hmm. write and think and what we do in the world each day. Yes. And uh, it's so, yes, it's uh, so true. And so that's a, you know, that's a big part. And that's been the largest part of what my transformation has been. And I think we all have, and Dr. Peebles calls it, I'm going to dovetail here with uh, the doc, as I call them. We all have illusions of separation that keep us from knowing the God self. Mm -hmm. Okay, we, we all have that. And for everybody, it's different. It's like you may have honed these wonderful gifts that you've brought forward into this lifetime that I am still reaching to be able to uh, glean and to understand and to have that really deep uh, acknowledgement of that. So everybody's on a different rung of the ladder. It's not to say that somebody is, no one is better than anybody else. They're just different rungs of the ladder. And it's like St. Germain says, no two students are alike. Yeah. No two students are alike. And so they work with uh, students in a very, very um, 
beautiful and a, a private way. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now, I'm sure, if you weren't on some level under his umbrella of love. And because it's always an individual's light and their inner strength. And, you know, that's, you know, that's where, um, you know, that, that connection. And that's who we really are. Yeah. So everything else, you know, is in the shadows just give way to the light. Yes, really do. Absolutely. I love that. We'll, we'll definitely quote, put that into a quote. Um, let's get back for a moment. because I love that you said um, the channeling could also be your higher self from your yeah, soul, yes. your monad, your spirit. So and because that was prior to your saying that my next question was going to be um, one of the problems I have seen or, or could imagine potentially uh -huh. for anyone who channels or seeks to channel is the sort of like the giving away of one's own development and discovery of one's right. own answers, most of which yes. we all have. So right. even if we relegate yeah. our answers and solutions as being outside of ourselves and belonging to someone else, then in, in a way we're depriving ourselves of developing that capacity. So it's wonderful that you also channel and speak about channeling your own inner wisdom and higher wisdom. How do you balance those two, seeking answers from your guides versus from your own soul as guide as well? Well, I feel like, you know, we're all one consciousness, basically. I mean, we, we truly are. Now, one of the, let, let me just uh, segue here with Dr. Peoples. One of the things that I love is that, you know, it should be empowering to somebody, not doing the work for them right but empowering right. them and hopefully inspiring them to take a peek or to uh, to work with the journey a little bit more consciously now one of the ways that he does that he has three principles which i'll share with you now the first one is loving allowance for all things to be in their own time and place starting mm. with yourself mm. the second one is increased communication with respect to all life starting with yourself and the third is self-responsibility for your life as a creative adventure mm. or never in your soul are you the victim you're always a creator mm. so one of the things that he gives if any uh, of your audience is going through a difficult time here's one of the uh, tools that he shares write about how it has served you and how has the experience helped you grow mm. how has it helped me grow and he said you'll glean the gems from that and once you do that you'll own the experience and it won't own you yes wonderful okay and so that's one of the ways so he works very much with people in that light now with my god self my i am presence i consciously work with that through meditation uh, you know usually daily uh, not always but most of the time daily and then i make you know i make that connection inwardly and then there are affirmations that i will say and i mean here's you know here's here's one that is i, I think is such a beautiful one is you know i you know i am presence now the my or the i am that i am within okay is now listening we have to do that through our free will because the biggest misconception is that that presence is going to uh, interfere. And that's not going to happen because we were given free will. So we have the gift to 
send that energy out any which way we want. So what we're seeing again in the world is the havoc of not creating through those divine principles. So here, here is one, uh, say, I'll say, I am presence, go forth before me today and see that I act in divine order enfold each and every one I come into contact with, with light and with love and bring to each soul whatever it takes to set them free. Okay? Beautiful. So there it goes, you know, the light goes out and just, you know, and that's, uh, you know, there's, uh, those books are just filled with so many of those affirmations. But it's like, uh, you know, St. Germain says, you've got to know where your presence is and how to anchor to it. Otherwise, your human self is going to swing back and forth and it's going to swing to the negative because that's the way, that's the path, uh, you know, really of least resistance. Right. So the, the three St. Germain books that you were gifted and that you've referenced a few times, uh-huh. um, are those still available today, such as on Amazon? Oh and my title? gosh, yes. Let me okay. give those to you nice okay. and slow. And okay. I will say it nice and slow. Right. We'll link them in the show notes. Yes. Pardon? We'll link them in the show notes so that people can check them out. Yeah. Okay. So the, the first one you want to make, yes, thank you very much. That's, that's wonderful because they'll, they'll get a lot of that in there too. And incidentally, this all transpired in Mount Shasta. I'm only an hour and 45 minutes from Mount Shasta. Fantastic. We have yeah, this, one in our community who lives in Mount Shasta. Really? Yes. Yeah. Jane oh yeah. Seeley. I don't know if you know Jane Seeley. She, uh-uh. she has a wonderful garden and yeah, she's a oh, resident. Wow. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, no, so it's pretty mystical. That's where um, St. Germain appeared to Godfrey Ray King, who was the channel for this information. Now, I do want to say something here that didn't come through him that way. Uh, It was a whole different experience uh, with Godfrey Ray King. Okay, so the first book is called The Original Unveiled Mysteries. The Original Unveiled Mysteries. This is where he appears to Godfrey Ray King on Mount Shasta. Volume two is called um, The Magic Presence, which is really your I Am Presence, The Magic Presence. And then the third one, volume three, is called The I Am, I Am Discourses by the Ascended Master St. Germain. Now, St. Germain is instructing from the very first. Okay, so this whole series is called the I am series, but there's 20 books. So you want to make sure that it's, if they're um, starting at one, two, and three, volume three on that. Okay. And, you know, people can always contact me and, uh, you know, can, if there's questions, things like that. Well, speaking of that, so, wow, I didn't realize the time was flying. So, and we, I love your book title and the cover, Walking Between Worlds, A Spiritual Odyssey. Uh, It came out, incredible cover. Oh, thank you. Title, and it just came out this year, April. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, So we would like to, if we can take maybe another five to 10 minutes. Sure. Yes, Um, of course. Okay, so we want to hear about, your, how you decided to write the book and, you know, your process and journey. And it of, took you 20 years. 20 years of writing the book. No. And then also about your workshops. So Okay. It took me longer than 20. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. 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 So um, what had, you know, what had transpired? And um, FYI, because the healing was such a huge part 
uh, in the book, that is in there as well. And one of the things I, I do want to say is that um, when Dr. Slavin would put me under, I would go sometimes spontaneously to other lives on my mm -hmm. own. And I went to before I was born and saw my lifetime and these masters talking to me about the life I was going into. So that's, that's in there as well. Okay, so let me ask the, the question again. I'm sorry, what was the initial question? So the, the initial question was just your journey of writing your book and deciding oh, to Oh, of course, of course. Okay, here we go. Um, Dr. Peebles was the one, that was my very first question to him, 1982, because I had been feeling nudged to write and I had started to write. And I remember uh, my first question to him was, Hi, Dr. Peoples, my name is Athena, and I'm feeling the desire to write. And he interrupted me. He said, this is a channeling state, which has already begun. Mm -hmm. And he said, and we encourage you to write about your own growth in life personally. This will mm -hmm. prepare you for the channeling you'll be doing towards the end of the decade after confrontation of change, which happened right on schedule. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was it. And because my experiences have been so vast in nature, and I think, Probably one of the hardest things for any writer is to strip yourself naked. And I really, man, I'm just up there. So naked. I, it's so raw and it's so honest and it's so gut level honest with the rage, the anger, everything I went through in that journey. I don't make anything, anything more than what it was. Mm. It just is what it is in there. And that was the challenge. What would people think? And, and I, I had written a certain amount, tucked it away, written a certain amount, tucked it away. And then I remember I was in a mall in uh, Los Angeles and a complete stranger walked up to me and shook her finger in my face. Beautiful woman. She was probably maybe 60, 65. And she goes like this to me. And she says, your life may very well become a film in a TV in a TV movie of the week. You need to be writing. You could be helping millions of women. Wow. <laughs> she was a um, clairvoyant, a very well-known clairvoyant, uh, unbeknownst to me at that time. And it wasn't the TV movie and all of that. that Because it's never been the fame about that for me. It's not what moves my heart. But I thought, okay, how would I feel if I died tomorrow and... And I didn't do this. And I knew in my heart I would be backing out out of fear. Mm. So that's just when I said, out of hell with it. And I <laughs> popped the cork and let it wrap it out. <laughs> just let it flow. And, and then it's been mystical ever since. It's just been a complete mystical journey with that ever since. And my deepest prayer has always been just use this in the most powerful way possible, God, to bless people and to help them. That's my prayer with it. Well, once you once you made that decision to like really release the book and, and finish it, was that another layer of healing for you? Well, it feels like such a level of accomplishment. Yeah. And it's also available in, in uh, Audible. Nice. You know, it's, and that was like six years in the, the making on, wow. on Audible. This was uh, Walking Between Worlds was a complete uh, re-edit uh, with some content taken out of one um that i had done originally so this is this is the this is the polished stone 
we'll put it that way. This is the one, and then I'll be doing another book uh, with some about UFOs and contacts. That's Ooh, been another part fun. of my journey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, people really love that one. <laughs> that was a journey, but it was too much for this book. So yeah. that'll be that. That will be the next one. But. Yeah, that's well. That's it's great to hear you're planning a next one. And along the lines of Devani's question about healing from writing it, and uh, what came to mind for me is we have uh, there's a member of our community, Shannon Billings, who uh-huh. is working on her own memoirs and uh-huh. in, in, in observing her journey. And there's another one, another member, I think Kathleen Raby is um, working on sort of fictionalizing, like a fictionalized version of her life story. Um, but what is the, what we've observed in that is that a lot of it is writing one's memoirs or a story around one's life, whether it's actual, you know, stark truth or a fictionalized version is in large measure sort of a, a discovery of oneself it's like mm-hmm. a journey into oneself it's like it's almost like i guess for writers a lot of times we don't know what we think sometimes until we write yeah. it down and then we get to know our thoughts better so is that uh-huh. part of your experience um yeah you know i would say in some ways but when i would sit down and write i just kind of like write to myself yes. and so it just you know it uh, uh, definitely flows i sure understand that journey that most writers go on and that's the fear of what will people think that's the biggest block i think uh to get over but the success and i remember dr peoples telling me this and i would share this with any writer he said you're going to know the success when you let it be raw Mm -hmm. let it be raw he said people like to pull back the curtain and look they like to look into closets mm-hmm. you know so all my closets are wide open yeah. and everything you know so but i just knew that was a challenge and the biggest challenge for me the biggest challenge was the vulnerability because to let somebody see those flaws that you can hardly look at yourself yes. within yourself you know the uh, uh the or, or that illusion of the need to be perfect or the pleasing or, you know, it's just all of the stuff, you know, all of that. Yeah, that really helped. And when, when people, I mean, God, the emails and the letters I get mm. are just phenomenal. And, you know, the, they just say they pick it up they cannot put it down yeah wonderful and they, just re- they just relate so it's just the vulnerability for me has been the biggest thing because that's always been the biggest fear yeah for but, for others listening to this who are you know maybe scared to put their work out there whatever it might be uh-huh. do you have a daily affirmation w- during your writing process or is there any advice oh, if there's some of them that are um Wanting to go down that journey, I can tell you right now, I have, you know, they, I can certainly turn them on to a few wonderful people that would be in their corner. And I just, I, I just think it's the uh, publisher that I have. Uh, she writes press. Don't you love that? She mm-hmm. writes press. Mm-hmm. And they are so supportive of women writers. That's just in, yeah, just incredible. Really? So you know, I, I, uh, I, I get that part of the the journey. But I would just say, just write. And the other thing is, don't worry about 
every single word being perfect. Just write it. All of that can come later on down the road in the editing process. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't stop the flow. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. So uh, do you mind sharing the age you are for publishing your first book? Oh, my God, no. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see. I am now 72, 73 in um, January. Wow. And uh, very, you know, I feel at this stage of my life, you know, I want to embrace and engage this part of my journey yeah yeah you know it's just that I, I don't you know about getting nipped and tucked and pulled and this and that it's just like you know yeah my body's morphing into other things <laughs> yeah uh, you know but hey it, it is what it is right and I just think there's a a beauty in wisdom yes mm-hmm. absolutely and to be able to own that so I just hope I turn into some great old eccentric sage there you go well you're putting a man you're manifesting it by saying that you are and you want that right and you're making yeah, i just day. i just you know i just want to be uh conscious at this stage and not wanting to you know god i wished i was you know 30 or 35 or yeah you know now nah, you couldn't pay me to go back it's taken me a long time to get comfortable in my own skin. And the world, we have many people in our audience who are 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, beyond. And, um, and there's, and the world needs that wisdom. So it's so wonderful uh, when we see people of all ages, including boomers and seniors, um, taking that leap and moving beyond the comfort zone of just halfway retired to, you know, the extra effort required to begin to share your journey share your wisdom or or you know you walk slower you move slower you know and (laughs) it's just you know it's all part of it It but i you know and i love 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 ram das yes and he has an incredible uh well he's got incredible books but also audible on um conscious aging Mm. conscious aging change i think Mm -hmm. it's conscious aging change and I'm not sure if it's dying, conscious aging, change and dying. I want to be just conscious. Yeah. That part of it, you know, it's just, you know, it's just everything that goes on with the body. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, workshops, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to be doing something here probably, you know, with uh, Zoom more on some of the I am. Because um, there's a group that I work with now. And so we're going to start working with technology to yes. start doing that. And then uh, some teaching, some uh, connecting up with your higher self, some of those workshops as well. Fantastic. Which they can find out about on your website. You have a section where they can click on and opt in, I think, to be informed of what you have uh, going. Yeah. or. You- and they can contact me. They can just send me, you know, if they want or any of your writers out there, you know, they don't have to be shy. Yes. You know, for sure. Cause I, you know, um, love to be able to, you know, if uh, people sometimes want a little point in the direction, I'm happy to do that. Well, so, but speaking of that, um, what kind of people do you typically work with? Like in other words, someone who's looking for what? is the kind of person well usually when people call or people contact me as a rule to um because they're at a point 
that there's just a lot going on in their life. And, and half the time, half the time when people, you know, they may feel as if they're in the black hole, right? A lot of going on. Well, this is why I love Dr. Peebles. He said the black hole from spirit's point of view is the point of creation. Mm, so they're, yeah. So it's, you know, they're resurrecting and, uh, you know, that they're going to come through it. Okay. So let's see how it's helping you grow. And then there's always perspectives. Uh, but it's not the nature of the work that I do is not psychic prediction. It's very much empowerment, you know, to get people anchored inwardly to their own power and to begin to work with that in a conscious way that, you know, that uh, uh, takes root and begins to expand, you know, so that's, that's what I really love to do. And so I do workshops with Dr. Peebles. I do that. And then I also do those with connecting peoples with the, uh, and I, or people with the I am within them. And that pretty much came up um, organically. You know, they were, how did you learn about this? Would you teach it? I said, well, if you guys will show up, I'll make the commitment. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. I'll, yeah. I'll make the commitment to, to do it if you show up. And, you know, they have. But it's wonderful to, oh, my gosh, to see the expansion of the light. And it's all about expanding the light. Yes, absolutely. It's all, it's all about expanding the light. And then uh, people feel their own inner strength, their own connection. And what I have found working with this information, and I can tell your audience, if the, the key lies in your application, yeah. lies in the application, because if you just read it and set it aside, that's okay too, may not be time, but if you're one of those that really feels drawn to it, the key lies in the application, Definitely. and uh, he will work, and he'll work with you on a very personal very personal way your presence and so people that are drawn to that are are you know it's again it's the doorbell ringing they're being awakened definitely that's fantastic well we loved this time with you and thank you and yes is there anything you would like to share we've talked about your site names and links and we'll definitely link to that um do you have any final advice for creators um oh final advice i you know for me it's just I always just like to say that, you know, the, um, the presence that is beating your heart, that is giving you the ability to think and to move and is your consciousness is the presence of God within you. Mm. That's the presence. That's, that's who you really are. And so everything else that is a shadow or an illusion is created by the human self that always wants to take the power as its own. That's why it always creates the havoc. But that still small voice inside your heart is the one that is going to lead you down the correct path. The challenge is is to take your attention, anchor it there so that that still small voice becomes the larger voice. And with your continued application, this is what happens. Your light expands. Every single affirmation that you make, I am the, I am the perfect solution to this problem, releases the volume of light. Mm. 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Each one releases a volume of light and then that presence of who you are, truly who you are, that one consciousness grows because your human self by your free will is becoming more subservient because you're, you're uh, placing your attention to the only source because there, as long as you look outwardly for your answers, you will never find them because it doesn't come from your exterior world. Your exterior world is everything that we have created through thought and feeling. And it's like St. Germain says, it's like shifting sand. So the only place where there is any stability, any, uh, any, it's almost like your interior of strength and wisdom and consciousness and kindness, caring, compassion, love, generosity, every one of those beautiful qualities that we all have, that's the presence of God within you. That's mm -hmm. who you really are. Yeah. So everything else is just the human self, the garbage, the uh, judging, the critical, I'm not enough. Um, everything uh, yeah. that creates lack and limitation is created through the human self taking that energy and distorting it. So your evolution or the, the evolving, and I was looking at the word love, Yes. Add a VE on it, or um, if you do it backwards and add a, um, a EV on it, it's evolve. And the more we love, the more we evolve. The more we evolve, the more we love. Yes, wonderful. Okay? So yeah. your consciousness will, and it, it will pull you. It really does. And another thing I just want to say here is that there are so many wonderful ascended masters. And this is the, the thing that's so beautiful. He said, each one of us eventually one day finds our way back to that source through making that connection and there are the there's the angelic realm there's the cosmic beings there are people that have made their ascension each one of us has the same capacity to raise the body like christ did yes in this embodiment and they work with you um and and that was why the statements that he made that had I, I can do nothing but then the I am who doeth the right. work. He was just able to completely let uh, his human self, uh, you know, go uh, where, uh, in other words, so his presence was able to flow through. So, so beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. It's such a beautiful message and really so simple, you know, to, to love is to evolve and to evolve is to love more. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Athena Dimitrios, thank you so much for your time and thank sharing you. this with our audience. And we look forward to um, sharing your book and your, um, your interview, our conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, just have, uh, uh, you know, if I don't talk to you again, I'm sure on some level we, we will, but it's been a blessing thank you know, here. to talk thank to you, you and thank you for the good work that you do out there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay. Bye. 
Thanks so much for joining us for the I Create Daily podcast. Please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews and it just helps us get the word out on the I Create Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.